Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to The Fighter versus The Writer. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin. And this week, we are back with a brand new show. Uh, coming off a week without a UFC event, which is a rarity these days, uh, we are actually rolling into another event with the UFC returning this weekend. Uh, Mackenzie Dern taking on Yan Zhao Nan in the main event. Of course, we had Mackenzie Dern on the podcast last week. We've also got a Bellator event coming up this weekend. One championships, got two events this week, and BKFC returns with the title fight and the debut of former UFC heavyweight Ben Rothwell. Um, This week on the podcast, we're going to be welcoming in two guys who are going to be getting a lot of attention on the Bellator card coming up this weekend. Aaron Pico, long considered one of the best prospects to ever enter the sport of mixed martial arts. Uh, He is actually going to be making his return to action against Jeremy Kennedy in a fight that could very well determine a number one contender in the featherweight division. Of course, the featherweight title is also going up for grabs on the same card with uh, Patricio Pitbull taking on Adam Borks. But uh, interesting with Aaron Pico, of course, you know, for all the talk and hype and buzz around a guy like Bo Nickel, who is incredible and potentially a future UFC champion. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, that was Aaron Pico. Aaron Pico was the guy. Uh, Aaron Pico was the prospect. Aaron Pico was the one everyone thought was going to be a future champion. And he had a tough start to his career in four and three in his first seven fights. Uh, Probably got matched up against opponents that were a little bit too high level for him at that point in his career. Um, Was doing well against Adam Borks before he got caught by a flying knee and got knocked out. Since that time, Aaron Pico has turned things around. And so he's fighting Jeremy Kennedy coming up this weekend with a chance to potentially earn a title fight. We're also going to be talking a little bit later to a, a fighter who unfortunately came to notoriety for all the wrong reasons, uh, and that's Max Roshkoff. Of course, he is the former UFC fighter who took a fight on short notice, lost after he refused to come out for a round, and, and essentially got accused of quitting, got released from the UFC a matter of days later, got signed on short notice. Let's not forget that. Got signed on short notice, took a fight with Austin Hubbard, looked good early, got exhausted, and the moniker that he built at that point was he quit. He walked away, he quit. He couldn't go. No moss. And, uh, you know, Dana White had comments about it, and days later he got released from the UFC. No second chances. He's uh, he since, you know, basically walked away, was done fighting. Ended up going to Cage Warriors, getting a couple of wins, and now he's going to be joining the Bellator roster starting on Saturday with his debut. And we're going to talk to Max about... His future, but also coming out of what he went through, you know, kind of gaining that reputation and and dealing with the mental health struggles he had after that fight, uh, the mental health struggles coming, you know, even decided to come back and do the sport again, which is um, saying something because, you know, he was pretty much done. I mean, what, I would say pretty much. I mean, you'll hear in the interview, he was done. He wasn't pretty much done. He wasn't contemplating being done. He was done and decided to come back. And, you know, now he's fighting against that stigma of, of you know, mental health uh, being a, a weakness somehow like that, you know, dealing with the anxiety and the depression, things he dealt with, and now coming out on the other side of that and kind of restarting his fighting career. And I, and I truly do believe, and I said this back when he signed with the UFC, you know, whatever that was, 
you know, really good prospect. NC, NC State wrestler, you know, real solid, you know, good jiu-jitsu, trained with Robert Drysdale. He's out at Extreme Couture now working under the great Eric Nixick. Um, looked like a, a legit contender one day, and, and he had that just a bad night at the office, you know, and, and got released right after. So I, I was fascinated and, and interested to speak to Max. I've actually never interviewed Max before this interview, so I was very interested to talk with him. Um it's a big weekend for Bellator, you know, big, big weekend for Bellator. This card, in my opinion, of the of the major cards happening this weekend, UFC, Bellator, one championship, BKFC, I think top to bottom, the, the Bellator card is the best card of the weekend. Now, how that's going to translate into ratings and people getting interested, I can't say for sure. But when you got Patricio Pitbull and Adam Borks, which is a really good fight, you got AJ McKee making his lightweight debut against Spike Carlisle, UFC veteran, you got... Uh, you know, uh, Aaron Pico against uh, Jeremy Kennedy. You got Juan Archuleta returning on the card uh, in a really interesting fight. You got Max Roshkov on the prelims. Um, so it's a really intriguing card. So top to bottom, Bellator actually has the best card of the weekend. Nothing against any of the other shows out there. I'm just saying in terms of talent and star power and ability, I think we're looking at the best card out of Bellator. Um, UFC, of course, has a has a, another top-heavy card with, I think, a really intriguing strawweight fight with Mackenzie Dern. Take it on Yan Zhao Nan, but uh, that card outside of that fight is a is a little lackluster, let's be honest. And the UFC is going through a weird period right now where we actually get this card this weekend, then we get another off week, and then we roll back into uh, the October, was it the 15th card? And then we roll, of course, right into UFC 280, uh, which is a monster, monster pay-per-view, of course, with Islam Makachev and Charles Oliveira at the top, um, Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw on the co-main. Benil Dariush and uh, and Matush Gamrod on the card. It's an it's an embarrassment of riches. Blah Muhammad and Sean Brady. It's an embarrassment of riches on that card. But yeah, kind of a weird stretch. These UFC Fight Night cards have not been the strongest lately, um, and I don't think that opinion is going to change with this one. Although I do really like the main event. Um, I'm always excited to see Mackenzie Dern get out there and do 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 the damn thing, and I think she is still a a serious uh, threat one day to become champion when you get that kind of incredible skills that she has in her ground game. But it will be interesting to see how that one plays out because I feel like it's not a title eliminator, but it is kind of in a way a contender eliminator because Yan Zhao Nan, you know, a couple losses in a row. I thought she won her last fight, if I'm being honest. Um, she had the really bad night at the office against Carlos Barza, but, you know, McKenzie, of course, she had that loss to Marina Rodriguez and then, you know, came out and got the win over Tisha Torres. I feel like this is, it's, it's far from a make or break moment for McKenzie. She's still far too young to say this is a make or break moment, but. The winner of this fight is going to be positioned to get a big fight in the division, whether that comes against maybe the loser of Carlos Barza and Zhang Wei Li. Uh, maybe it comes against Marina Rodriguez, uh, depending on, you know, again, she's got her own fight coming up uh, in, in a few weeks. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting one because, you know, the strawweight division, as far as the women's divisions in the UFC, is the deepest division in the, in the UFC. And so... Um, it's going to be interesting to see you know, this is a bit of a contender eliminator. The winner will remain a top five ranked fighter, always, you know, hammering, knocking on the door of one more fight, maybe do a title shot. The loser gets knocked back a lot further for Yan Xiaonan. That's three in a row, even though the one loss again, bit controversial. Um, and of course, you know, she had the loss to Carlos Barza, who is now the champion. No shame in that. But three losses in a row is nowhere where you want to be. Uh, in this division. I don't know that either one of these fighters will eventually become champion. I have a lot of faith in Mackenzie Dern. I'll, you'll hear, you know, you heard that last week. I told her I truly believe she will become champion one day. And I, and I mean that because I think talent wise, she's just too good. Uh, but again, you got to get there. You got to do it. And, you know, she hasn't done that yet. So we got to see it. I also, I mentioned Marina Rodriguez. The winner, another one, Rose Nami Yunus is out there. She hasn't fought. Imagine imagine the scrambles and exchanges on the ground if we get to see Mackenzie Dern against Rose Nami Yunus. How fun would that be? Um, and, of course, BKFC this weekend also, you know, uh, Lorenzo Hunt taking on Quentin Henry in a title fight. And then, uh, of course, Big Ben Rothwell making his debut against Bobo O'Bannon. Is this the sport that Ben Rothwell was always made for? Uh, we'll find out uh, on uh, on Saturday. It's just, it's a weird weekend. It's a stacked weekend. A lot of fight cards. Angela Lee fighting to become a two division champion. Uh, you know, in in a really really interesting one championship fight. Um, not the most stacked events 
in the history of the sport, but but solid fights all around. If you kind of combined everything into one, it'd be a really damn good fight card. Of course, you're not doing that, so you have to kind of pick and choose your poison where you're going. With that being said, I said it earlier, and I stand by that Bellator has the best card coming up this weekend. Uh, main event all the way down to the prelims are really strong. Uh, coming from Long Beach should be an interesting card. So with that being said, we're going to kick things off this week and talk to one of the main card fighters, one of the most highly touted prospects to ever enter our sport. And he went through some rough patches. He went through some rough spots. And now he's on a big win streak, taking on Jeremy Kennedy this weekend in a potential number one contenders fight. A win could get him the winner of patricio pitbull and uh and adam borks uh so let's talk to aaron pico about his continued evolution where he's at right now and how far he feels he's away from becoming a bellator champion he is one of the top featherweight fighters in the world and he returns to action in just a matter of days uh for a fight that was actually supposed to happen earlier this year now it's happening in october instead i am always happy to speak to aaron pico aaron how are you doing well doing well thank you for having me on Absolutely. So, uh, of course, this fight is coming up a matter of days away. As I said, this was one you were going to get earlier in the year. Unfortunately, you had an injury eight days out, change of opponents. Are you happy you got this one back? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really happy that I was able to fight. Uh, was it back in April? I'm happy that Aiden, uh, not Aiden Lee, um, Adley Edwards stepped up. And um, I'm excited to fight Jeremy Kennedy. It's a big, big step up in competition. He's been in there with some of the toughest guys. And, uh, yeah, I'm ready to go test my skills. Yeah. You know, when you came in the sport, Aaron, you know, right away, you know, everyone's like champion, champion, future champion. And you've quietly been building this streak now and quietly been getting better. And and, and you've kind of just, you've kind of, you know, not to say you've stayed on the headlines necessarily, but you're like, you've just been doing your work, I guess the best way to say. It. You've been putting in work, getting the wins and getting there. But this is a big one, right? Like this is a big one. Jeremy Kenny, I think is six in the rankings. You're four. Obviously we have the title fight on the same car with Pitbull and Boric. Um, do you feel that? Like, do you feel this as being a big fighter, or do you even look at it that way? Yeah, to be honest, for me, every every fight, I I take it as a world championship fight. I've always said that. But, um, no, I've I just been in the gym grinding with my coaches. I'm in there six days a week. Um, MMA is very difficult for me. I, it doesn't come easy, and it's not an easy sport. So I, I, I'm constantly thinking, how do I get better? What do I do? I, I tend to overthink. Um, so I'm excited to go out there and, and, and show the world how, how good I've gotten. And, uh, I feel I'm knocking at the door for, for a title title fight. So, um, let's focus on Jeremy Kennedy, get through this fight. And I think I'm going to be in, in talks for, for a Bellator championship. It's funny. You say that, that MMA is really hard because when you come in, and I'm guilty of this too, Aaron, like you were an incredible wrestler. You know, I come from, I'm a wrestling guy. So I'm always like the wrestling guy. So I always have my eyes on the wrestlers, but you also had boxing. You know, you seem like you were built for MMA. I guess is what I'm getting at. That's one of the reasons why so many people, myself included, were so high on you. It's funny to hear you say though, MMA is really hard. Cause I think there's that misconception that just because you have that training background and that background in wrestling and, and all those things, it's just easy for you, but it's not easy. No, no, that's further from the truth. I mean, when I first came in and got my career started, I knew that I had my work cut out for me. I, the organization wanted me to be champion, and and um, you know hindsight's twenty twenty. I was rushed a little bit, um, but no, it's very very difficult. This sport is 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 grueling on the body mentally, um, and especially me being a perfectionist, I am so hard on myself, and um, yeah, it keeps me up at night sometimes. And uh, early mornings, I'm I'm studying, trying to you know, be a better fighter, uh, by no means is it, I do, I think I've, I've arrived yet. And I keep saying it, it's a very difficult sport, especially when you want to be great. And, um, luckily for me, I have good coaches around me. I have good family and, um, I just take it one day at a time. I know it sounds so simple, but that's all you can really do. Cause, uh, you know, the voices will start talking in your head. Am I doing enough? Am I good in this area? Um, these are the, these are the thoughts that I have. And, um, there's only one way to, to uh, you know, take the, the edge off, and that's just go in the, the gym and, and train. Yeah. You mentioned it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm curious, you know, it's funny. You're a veteran now, but you're still so young. What, 25, right? So, I mean, you're still, you know, very, very yeah. young. Um, yeah. But if you could go back right now and, and go back to, you know, the Aaron Pico we saw make his debut a couple years ago, what advice would you give yourself? Like, what advice would you give – the knowledge you carry now, what advice would you give yourself as, like, an O and O fighter? Well, the advice I'd give to myself is that I'm not – 
I would tell myself, hey, listen, I'm not ready to fight for a title. I'm, you know, five, six years away, but let's take the fights slow. Um, let's build. Let's get better. And, um, you know, because training camp, I, you know, I fought quite a bit. And I was just kind of like, all right, got done with the training camp, take a few weeks off, and then right back into, into, into training camp. I didn't really have time to just develop and be with a coach and just say, listen, we're going to work on this. We're going to do this. This can happen. And um, it all changed for me when I came to Albuquerque and I started working with the coaches that I have now. I mean, I didn't fight for almost a year. And I was with Greg Jackson, Brandon Gibson every single day working on, on fighting. And I would just tell myself and go to Jackson Wink and do what I, you know, take maybe take a year off and just and develop. Um, but I'm happy the way that everything worked out. I wouldn't be in the, situ in the situation that I am now. I wouldn't have the manager. I wouldn't have the coaches. Um, and I don't think I would be the fighter I am today. I, like I said, I don't take it for granted. I, you hear me say it. The sport is very, very difficult. It can change in a matter of seconds. Um, so I'm very focused. I take it very seriously. And um, I, think, I think I'm in a good position. Yeah. Everyone develops and evolves at their own speed. There's no right or wrong way to it. Daniel Cormier was, I think, 31 when he made his debut, you know, coming out of the Olympics. And he went on to become, you know, arguably one of the greatest fighters in the history of the sport. There's no right or wrong way to do it. And again, I'm a wrestling guy. I think wrestling is the absolute best pedigree to have in your back pocket coming into fighting. But I'm sure you see a guy that come up same time as you, Bo Nickel. He's, I think, a year yeah. older than you. Incredible wrestler, Penn State champion, all these kind of things. And, and you know, I think he's, again, kind of like yourself, one of the best prospects we've had come into the sport. But he's talked about it. He's like, I think I'm ready for Israel Adesanya right now. And I'm like, slow down. Like, I'm not saying you're not good. You're absolutely good. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, let's not put the card before the horse. Uh, not yeah. not that you necessarily need to. I'm not asking you to, like, criticize Bo Nickel or anything. But, like, if you give that same advice to Bo Nickel, would it be like, you know, let, you know, you know, Take time, you know, because this yeah. is a this is a marathon, not a sprint. For sure, I, I think that's the best advice, um, because it's just a different it's a different speed in there, especially with high level fighters. The 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 speed of the timing is a lot of, a lot different, and there's no need to rush. Will you be a champion? I, I the chances of him being a champion are very high, but there's no need to rush and. Um, when that time comes, it's going to come fast and just make sure that you're, you're ready because the competition, I know it's, it's nice and you feel good when you beat, the, you know, you beat these guys and stuff, but at the highest level, the speed and the reaction time is, is on a different level and you just need to adjust your eyes. You need to just get comfortable in the cage. You need to feel the crowd, um, the lights. And one thing I also, I always say is even the stuff that goes on before the fight, the media, the, the, where you stay at in the hotel, just going through, you know, rehearsals as much time as you can get and until you get the time, um, the call to go to the big show. I think you should absorb it as much as you possibly can and not rush it. That's just my opinion, but everybody's different. For example, you use Daniel Kermit. He was 31, but he was mentally probably a lot, you know, beyond his years. He was 31 years old. He wrestled in the Olympics. Um, you know, he's gone through life and I think he was probably, you know, ready and, and um, was mentally ready to take on those challenges. You know, when I came into the sport, I was 20 years old. My first fight was on Madison Square Garden against a guy that was nine and two. Fought for, I think, an LFA title his, his, his fight before. So he was a guy that's been around the sport a long time. And, um, and mentally, I just wasn't ready. I, like I always use the analogy. I was just that, that young horse that was just had a bunch of fire in him, but it hasn't been in the in the in the bull ring yet you know does he have all the the bloodlines and everything to become a, a great horse and and you know um yes but he just needs time to develop he needs to be around a good coach um he needs to do you know be around everything and then when that the call comes and he has some years of experience he'll be able to you know i use bullfighting as an analogy like a bullfighting horse he just needs time to develop and then when he gets that call to go in the big plaza and fight the biggest and baddest bulls He's going to be ready, but if you throw him out there when he's three years old and never seen a bull ever in his life, he's probably going to trip and fall or get gored or something like that. He just needs time to develop, and there's no rush. And um, I think that's where I'm at in my career. I've uh, I've had time. I'm physically ready. I'm mentally ready. I'm going to be 26 on Friday, and um, I think the time is arriving when when we're ready to to get that call to fight for a world championship. 
Yeah. So I said it earlier, you know, you come in, everyone's like, he's got this wrestling and boxing background. You had like the pedigree to be a champion. But do you feel like where you're at right now, Aaron, it's probably funny to answer this question, but do you feel like you are a true mixed martial artist now? Like it's no more, I was a wrestler and a boxer. I have that pedigree. Now, do you feel like a true mixed martial artist now? I do. I really do. It's funny that you say that. I was just uh, with Coach Greg. Um, I'm with Coach Greg every day. But last week I asked him a question. I said, you know, just using our terminology that we use. And he said, damn, Aaron, you, you're actually starting to understand combat. And I looked at him and I said, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I never would have been talking this language three years ago, four years ago. And um, it feels really good. Um, I, I really owe it to all my coaches. Um, Greg Jackson, Brandon Gibson, have really, really put a lot of time into me. And um, I ask a ton of questions and um, I feel really good. I feel really, really good. And I'm excited to go out there and fight. Do you believe in your heart of hearts? And I'm not going to try to pin you down in this question to say, like, of course, your focus is Jeremy Kennedy. We know that. But, you know, assuming everything goes well, October 1st, you win. Are you at this point, this stage right now where you're at, where I'm talking to you today, are you ready to be a champion? Are you ready for that challenge? Are you, if that's the next fight, if that ends up being the next fight, are you ready for that? Yeah, I'm not ready to be a champion. I'm ready to be a great champion. That's what I've been saying. I'm at the point in my life to, uh, to fight for that title. I don't want to be a good champion. I want to be a great champion. What I mean by that, I want to defend my belt and um, I think I'm ready. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you also mentioned, of course, the relationship you've built with the mad scientist himself, Greg Jackson, as I always like to call him. And, uh, and of course, Coach Brandon Gibson, who I have so much respect for. And I know talking to so many fighters over the years that have built a relationship with Brandon, that he's like, he's a, he's a friend, he's a mentor, he's a coach, he's all these kind of things. How much, how much credit do you give to that relationship that you've built with those guys in particular that have put you in the position where you're at now, because you had the physical tools there and we all know that, but you still had to be molded and crafted and built into being a great champion. How much credit do you give Greg and, and Brandon? I don't want to take anything away from your teammates. You got a lot of great teammates yeah. down there. Uh, I was actually talking to John Dodson a couple weeks ago. He was mentioning you, uh, all the guys down yeah. there you work with, but those two guys in particular as coaches, how much have they meant to your evolution and where you're at right now? Yeah, they're everything. As simple as that. Everything that I that I know, um, as far as MMA, I I owe it to Greg and I owe it to Brandon. They are um, my. Uh, they always call me their little brother, and I call them my big brother. I mean, I love those guys. And uh, you know, when I talk to my coaches, it's when I get off the phone to Brandon Gibson. It's not. It's not. Bye, coach. It's all right, coach. I'll talk to you later. I love you. And that's the type of relationship that we have. And and. Um, I'm, I'm very thankful for them. I really am. And um, I respect them so much. They are my family. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I know I'm asking you to step on a landmine by asking you this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways, Aaron. Of course, the other big fight you know, coming up on that card is Pitbull and Adam Boris. You know Adam. Fought him you know, again early in your career. I'm not making excuses. I'm just, you fought him you know, years ago. You were a different fighter yeah, then. But can I yeah. ask you your opinion on that fight? Do you lean one way or the other when you see that matchup? No, I don't really lean one way or the other, but if you're asking me who I probably want to win, I want um, Adeboris to win. I really do. And if I could have it in a perfect world, I'd fight God willing win, uh, beat Jeremy Kennedy, and then fight Adam Boris and uh, revenge that loss and become a Bellator world champion. That's what I have in mind. That's If I could write out a perfect story, that's what I would want. And that so is I'm, kind I'm, of. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Adam Boris for sure. That's kind of perfect, right? Like the best way to avenge a loss and become champion, right? Like that's like the story you couldn't write any better. Like a Hollywood writer couldn't come up with a better story. Yeah. I've been waiting for that rematch for a very long time. Um, I'm obviously staying focused on Jeremy Kennedy, but I, I want to get that re rematch with um, Adam Borks. I think he caught, he got me early on in my career. If you look at the fight, I was dominating the whole thing until I got hit with the flying knee. Hey, shit happens. But, um, I'm a whole different fighter now. Yeah, and I, I like Patricio Pitbull. He's a monster. We all know he's very good, but I don't think people can count out Adam. I think he's a really good fighter, and I think people are crazy if they're counting him out. Yeah, no, you can't count out, count out Adam Borks. I mean, he's 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 a really good fighter. All these guys in, in Bellator in the top 10 are, are good fighters. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins.
Yeah. Real quick before I get you out of here, uh, I am fascinated by, I'm always, you know, you get you get stuck in these interviews always talking about fighting, fighting, fighting. Of course, that's what we're here to talk about. But uh, yeah. I love you have become, you are a horseman. Now, yeah. I'm not going to lie to you, Aaron. I grew up in a city. I did not grow up in the country. I, you know, I did, I was not around farms or, or horses growing up. Now, <laughs> you're going to laugh. My experience <laughs> learning about horses has been watching Yellowstone, the show Yellowstone. I've become fascinated with like, the, yeah. the cowboy lifestyle and like you yeah. show on your Instagram, you were showing like videos of you doing like horse competitions. Now, yeah. until I watched Yellowstone, I didn't know these things existed. I'm not going to lie. Like yeah. I didn't know these kind of like wrangling competitions, but it seems like you have an absolute blast doing that. Like, is that kind of become your other passion besides fighting? Well, of course you're a dad. No, I don't want to take that. Away, yeah. but like, Is that no, like no, your no. other passion? Like, you know, doing the horses. Yeah, that is my passion. I've, I've always wanted to be a cowboy ever since I've been a little kid. And um, I rode horses as, as a youngster. My dad took me to get, you know, have lessons and stuff. And I used to always tell him, he would never let me have a horse just simply because I was so involved in wrestling. And I used to always tell him when I'm older and I make my own money, I'm going to be able to buy my horses and, and they're going to be at my house. And yeah, I, I, uh, I have them now. They're, I have two horses here. And um, on the weekends, I'm usually with, you know, my good friend, Phil, and we, we go all over and, and do the, it's called cow sorting. We do these cow sorting competitions and uh, I'm just, yeah, I, I can't get enough of it. I'm addicted to it. I want to do this for the rest of my life after fighting. Can I ask what are your horse's names? Yeah. My uh, first horse I bought, uh, his name is Canelo. And then my second horse is uh, Coleon, like Don Coleon from the Godfather. So yeah, I didn't name them. I didn't name them, but uh, I really like their names. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so crazy, like, seeing that. Now, I got to ask, I did see on your Instagram, there are a couple of photos with you with a hat, but mostly you're a, you're a baseball cap kind of guy when you're on the horses. Yeah. Now, I don't yeah. know, are you not Are you not a big cowboy hat guy? Is that the thing? No, I love my cowboy hats. I really do. Um, but the thing is, is when I'm doing the cow sorting, you know, I, I'm moving so much and, and, and uh, I'm going kind of fast that sometimes my hat falls off. And uh, it gets me out of focus. So when I go, I like to wear a ball cap. And um, I know that my hat won't fall off. So that's, that's why. But I like my cowboy hats for sure. Yeah. It's a fascinating thing. Like I said, I, I fully admit, I don't know. I didn't know much about it. I don't know if you know Yellowstone or watch the show, but oh, like, I'm fascinated. Like now, like I want to, cause I've been to Montana before years ago. I went out there on a camping trip, but I, you know, I, this is going back, you know, many years. I went to the South Dakota for the big uh, Sturgis rally years ago. Yeah. Um, but I, now I like, I want to go back out there because like, I love the show. And like I said, I'm learning like these, and I, that's what I love about that show. Like I had no idea some of this stuff existed. Like the, uh, the, the, the stuff, Stopping competition, or they call it like where you're yeah. you're stopping the horse. The and like, right, yeah, like those are like I had no idea, and like I'm learning, and it's just fascinating to me now. Like I'm so I'm so like engrossed in learning about that culture that I just didn't know anything about. Yeah, no, I like the raining too. Um, if you want to watch a good show, it's called The Last Cowboy. And it I did. Like, That's uh, t Taylor Sheridan. The same guy did that. I watched. Yeah, I was, I was, I was so. I because again, I had no idea these. I, you know, I knew little things. I knew like I knew there were like wrangling competitions, things like that, like the the, the rope, you know, like, things like that. But I had no idea. Yeah. Like you're talking about the, the 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 cow thing. Like I had no idea that was actually like a competition. It's cool. Yeah. No, it's really fun. I I like the horse, the horse community, and and the Western, you know, lifestyle and. I've met a lot of good people through the horses and um, yeah, they're, they're great animals. Um, they require a lot of work, but they keep me focused and, um, and ultimately they make me feel really good. I always tell people when I'm on top of a horse and I'm at my, my, my competitions and stuff, there's not one thought of fighting. There really isn't. I'm in the moment. I'm having a great time. I have a smile on my face. I'm connected with my horse and it's the best feeling in the world. And uh, when you have that horse bug and that itch, it's you it'll never go away so i thank god every single day that i have um the horse passion because it, it really does drive me to be a better person um in fighting and because uh, i know if i win my fights i can i can enjoy my horses a lot more too so it's it, it's it balances me out for sure yeah so what are you saying like when it's all said and done you've had all this long title reign you finally decide to retire you know whatever it is 10 15 years from now whatever it is pico ranch is that what we're saying like it's going to be the pico ranch yeah, that is a big dream of mine. I really want to have, uh, you know, a big ranch, maybe a little, a few cows, but I want to breed horses. I, I, um, 
there's a lot of people that tell me that, um, yeah, it's not a business where you're going to make a ton of money. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, but I want to be able to have uh, some businesses and, and, um, be able to have that on the side and, and just be passionate about it, be around horsemen and, and horse competitions and, and, um, yeah, do what I want and, and, and live life. Yeah, I love you say that also about getting your head away from fighting. I say that all the time. Like, I love to talk to guys about fighting, but, you know, I have interests outside of fighting, too. And I think that's so important. Fighters get just get your head away from fighting because you, you get obsessed with it, right? Like you can get consumed by fighting if you're constantly thinking about training or your opponent or, you know, whatever, weight cutting, whatever it is. You got to get your headspace in a do. You got to get in a different headspace. And that sounds for you is like when you're on the horse, fighting doesn't exist exactly it it really does it really it's hard on on yourself mentally and um yeah there's some days where i i i sometimes will sit in a room and i it's not that i feel depressed i just i'm so obsessed about fighting am i doing enough am i am i good in this area and it can really drive me insane at least for me i'm talking just solely on me and um i know that i i have my horses in the backyard i can jump on them but uh it'll eat you up it really will eat you up especially if you care about it and I care about being the best. So I have my horses, I have my life, I have my son and, and, um, everything is going, everything is going well. If I ever make it to New Mexico one day, would you teach me to ride a horse? I'm fascinated now. I feel like I need to ride a horse at some point. No, absolutely. I tell everybody all the time, whenever you guys are in New Mexico, come to my house, we'll have a barbecue and and ride horses. That's what the lifestyle is all about. Being around good people eating good food, riding horses, listening to good music. That's, that's, that's the lifestyle I like. And uh, you're more than welcome to come to my house for sure. I love it. I love it. Aaron, thank you as always for the time. You know, I appreciate it. Uh, have a good race to your training camp. I know everything's kind of getting wrapped up now. Uh, safe travels out to the fight and cannot wait to see it back in action. October 1st. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. A big thank you, of course, to Aaron Pico. Big fight for him coming up this weekend. Uh, Jeremy Kennedy as a veteran, really good fighter. And a win there could get Pico the shot he's been waiting for. It was interesting to hear him talk about, you know, finally being ready to be champion. You know, this is something that um, he was anointed at before he even had a fight. I mean, people, and I'm, listen, I'm guilty of it too. I looked at Aaron Pico's background in wrestling and boxing, and I thought, man, this kid is guaranteed to become a champion. Listen, there are no guarantees. Uh, you know, uh, Bo Nickel fights with the Contender Series on Tuesday night. I think he, I think he might be one of the best prospects to ever enter the sport. He's already saying he could be Israel Adesanya. That might be a bit premature, but the point is, is nothing is guaranteed. You can look at a guy or girl and their talent and the pedigree and the background and say they're going to be a champion, but there are no guarantees. 
Aaron Pico was supposed to be one of the most locked, guaranteed prospects of all time, and he went four and three in his first seven, lost his debut. Um, and now he's back at a point where he really is, you know, becoming as good as advertised, becoming as good as we all thought he could be. He has to go through a tough opponent, Jeremy Kennedy, this weekend, but if he does, Bellator would have a big, big fight on their hands. Either Patricio Pitbull, you know, and or Aaron Borks in the rematch would be a huge fight with Aaron Pico. Of course, you got the AJ McKee factor out there. Is AJ going to stick around at lightweight? Is he going to go back to featherweight? Uh, you know, again, he's going to be a bit of a determining factor of what happens. But uh, I, I look forward to that fight this weekend. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, another fight that's happening on the Bellator prelims this weekend is the debut of former UFC fighter Max Roshkoff. Of course, a lot of people remember Max, as I mentioned at the top of the show, as the guy who went in the UFC, had a great start and a terrible finish. Ended up, you know, basically quitting on the stool, stopping the fight, no moss, didn't want to continue going, and that kind of branded him, you know, for that moment on. He was branded as a quitter. Got released from the UFC days later, and now, after a couple of fights in Cage Warriors, he's making his Bellator debut. Really fascinating conversation with Max, because as I said earlier, I'd never spoken to him before. I followed his story very closely. Uh, he had done an interview with my colleague Mike Heck right after he got released from the UFC. It was kind of a crazy couple of days for the guy and you know and and to hear him tell it of course you know he was done he was he was done with the sport he was walking away he was no longer fighting and for him to go from there to now back and fighting in Bellator is such a huge swing, uh, you know, going through what he went through and, and, and dealing with the mental health issues, which, again, is a, is a weird stigma that we're starting to address in our sport. I'm glad we are. We, we've heard for a long time things like mental coaches and, you know, going to a sports psychologist. That's nothing new necessarily, but there's still a weird stigma around it where, you know, um, some people like to take shots at fighters for, for seeking help in that realm and in, in that regard. And, uh, you know, dealing with the mental health of, of, you know, just the, the bombardment of, of what Max dealt with as a, you know, five and O fighter, whatever it was, five and one fighter after that loss. And suddenly, you know, his name is all across the headlines. One of the biggest stories in the sport for that little flash of time you know, and then to get released from the UFC and basically think you're, it's again, it's a fascinating story. And I had never talked to Max, which is why I wanted to talk to him with this, with this interview and talk to him about coming back, his decision to come back, signing with Bellator, his expectations for the future and dealing with the mental health issues that he faced with anxiety, depression, all those things. And now being able to fight again. So without further ado, let's talk to Bellator fighter, Max Roshkoff. Newly signed to Bellator and about to make his debut, I am happy to speak today to Max Roshkoff. Max, how are you? Doing good. Appreciate midweek mid day. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, obviously, big fight coming up. Bellator debut. Uh, excited, nervous, uh, just ready to get back in there and do the damn thing. Where's the Where's the mind at right now? Uh, I'm just. Uh grateful to be able to go out go in there and fight you know the closer it gets the more i felt that where i'm just grateful for the opportunity you know obviously you had your last couple of fights in cage warriors um i still truly believe you know you're one of the best prospects coming up i'm a wrestling guy so i followed your career at nc state all the things you come from your background but what was it like when you got that call from your manager the bellator you know wanted to sign you i know it's always a big moment when you get that kind of offer but what what was kind of like were you just grateful were you happy what was your reaction uh i was pumped and i was actually across the street from uh gold rush i was at the gas station getting some chew <laughs> and uh i freaking i got the call and i sprinted over there and I told all the guys i coach with and my buddies and all the kids and stuff right away so it was it was exciting it was fun because it was it's been a long time, you know, being in the sport and uh, not really accomplishing anything that I've wanted to. And I just know this is a step in, in that direction. Yeah. Let's just, I mean, let's just, you know, address the elephant in the room. Of course, everyone, you know, knows the whole situation happened in the UFC. You left there. There was a time from the interviews I've read, you were almost ready to walk away from the sport. You were almost ready to be done with MMA altogether and just do something else with your life. Coach, do whatever else you were. You were pretty much done. You come back convincing performances in cage warriors where you're at right now. Like, do you feel like this is, I know it's so generic, but like, do you feel like this is a little bit of like Mac Max Roshkoff 2.0? Like this is a fresh start for you. Uh, well, I was completely done. Like I, I didn't train for like eight months. 
at all. I wouldn't even walk into the, I wouldn't even go to the gym like at all. Uh, I was working. Uh, I started coaching. I was doing a lot of different stuff, but yeah, I was completely done. And then, um, just decided with some help with some friends to, you know, get back on the horse and that's what I did. But, uh, I would say 2.0, I'm not really sure. That's hard to say. I think no one's going to, it's hard to say that before I've really actually performed. Um, I even think in my cage warrior fights, I didn't really perform the best that I can. So, um, I guess we'll see next week. Yeah. You've spoken openly about, you know, the anxiety, the the different feelings and, and things you felt, you know, coming out of the UFC fight, just in general, doubting yourself, the self-doubt, things like that you face in your career. And, you know, where there's this weird stigma in mixed martial arts and combat sports in general, because it's a it's a tough sport. Obviously, it's a tough sport. It's a physically, yeah. you know, that you can't we can't talk about mental health right like we can't it's a it's a weakness it's a weakness if you talk about that which is utterly ridiculous but you openly spoke about that and the self-doubt and how that has crept in your head throughout your entire athletic career even when you were wrestling things like that how have you continued to battle that you know as you move forward in your career because listen i'm not you max i'm not an athlete now i'm wrestling i haven't haven't done athletics in many many years but like even in my career in writing like there's times when someone said oh you should do this and i have doubt in myself i'm like can i really do that can i really am i really the guy to do that am i really you know so it's real it's a real thing you face in any career but particularly when you're about to go in there and get punched in the face for 15 or 25 minutes yeah, I just try to focus on just being grateful f- to be able to do it at all, regardless of the wins and the losses and stuff like that. Is and, I, and I've never really done that in my entire career. It's always been about I have to win. And that that mentality sometimes can be really hard because, like, you know, everyone, everyone gets their ass whooped at least once in every sport, whether it's wrestling, football, baseball. There's There's going to be times where you don't do very well. And uh, so I think just focusing on being grateful for it, grateful for the opportunity to do it, because a lot of people don't get to chase whatever it is they want to chase. And so at the end of the day, regardless of what happens, if I can say, hey, I did, I did the best that I could and I was grateful for it, then it's e- able to keep my mind at ease. But it, it's been it's been hard, especially growing up and basically being when i was growing up i was just told i was a piece of shit from the time i was born until i was damn near 18 so it's like hard and to it's hard to like get that it'll never leave my head like there's no matter and no matter what anyone tells me i can do or how good of a practice i do or how good of a fight i have i'm always going to be in the back of my mind thinking like i could do better this i could do better that it's just uh it's a little bit of a sickness no, you're absolutely right. I, I actually, uh, I, I followed your career and I, this is the first time we're having a chance to talk, but you're, you're an Ohio guy. I'm actually in Columbus, Ohio myself, grew up in, in Southern Ohio. So we're both Ohio guys. So I know that, that like, there's a certain mentality that comes along with that, right? Like I grew up in a very, in a, in a somewhat similar situation, abusive household, you know, did not have a good relationship with my father, things like that. And, and it does, it affects you. And, and it, I think for people that don't go through that or never experienced that, it's harder for them to understand what that's like because when you hear that or you feel that from, you know, as old, as you know, five years old when you can start having memories to being 18 and you're always told that you're not worth this or you're a bad kid or whatever the case may be, you never really get over that, right? Like you never really get past that. You have to kind of deal with it. You have to, it's like a, almost like an addiction. You're never, you're never not an addict, right? Like you never truly are not an addict. You can put down the, the alcohol or the drugs, but you're never truly not an addict. Kind of the same thing. You never truly get past that kind of trauma. No. And that's, I've actually, I'm kind of an, I, it's funny. I did like super bad when I was in school from the time I was little until I was in college, but I've always been kind of a nerd about a couple of things. And, you know, psychology has been one of them. And I've actually done a lot of research about like childhood trauma and what that can do to like uh, someone's brain, even if it's like something that happens one time when you're four can affect you when you're older into your adult life. So it's definitely it's definitely real that, you know, there's nothing, there's not a lot you can do about it. You can learn to live with it. And that's what, um, when I've coached some kids or I've talked to some kids who have had like the similar issues or whatever. And that's exactly what I'm telling them. Like, Hey, like 
a 17 year old kid last year actually that ended up going off to college but he uh he had similar background and stuff and i told him he's like telling me what he's thinking i'm like dude honestly there's nothing you can do about those thoughts or about how you're feeling the only thing you can do is learn how to live with it and learn how to manage it to the point where you're a productive member of society and that's like kind of what keeps me i guess grounded is knowing that i always it doesn't matter how good I do or how bad I do. I come from a certain type of background. Yeah. You know, when you sign up to go into college wrestling and you sign up to become a mixed martial artist, none of that comes along with the, uh, the responsibility of being a role model or being a good example to people or anything like that. Like that's not what you sign up for, but I do think it's important in situations like this to be able to talk openly about it because there's going to be some kid who's 16, 17 years old coming up right now who might listen to our interview and hear, oh, wow, I know who Max is. I'm going through something similar. I'm you know, I'm dealing with something in my home or I'm dealing with this anxiety or I'm dealing with this or that. I know you don't sign up for this, Max, but you've been open about speaking about this. Like, do you, is there some almost like cathartic therapy in that, that you know that like talking about this kind of subject that like ideally you, you may be helping somebody else going through something that, that is similar to what you've gone through. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's why I talk about it and, and that's why I coach wrestling. That's why everything that I do, it's not about, you know, at the end of the day, I just, I want to make an impact on my family and the people close to me and the people that love me and be able to help other people along the way. That's, that's uh, I try to be of service to others more so than myself, especially now. I think I've learned that, um, you know, if I can help in any way to a 14, 15, 16 year old kid, just listen to me talk or give any type of guidance to anyone that I can to the best of my ability, I'm going to do that because I know what it's like to not have it. And it fucking sucks. <sighs> Absolutely. It does. So, this is going to sound like a weird question. This is going to sound like me playing therapist now, Max, but I'm going to ask the question because you've been an athlete your whole life, right? Like you've been in wrestling and I know the grind of that, the, the difficulty, the physical and mental you know, difficulties going through wrestling and then coming in MMA, which again, physically and mentally taxing sport. You, when you took that time off and you were done, you walked away and you were completely done. Then you decided to come back. Now that you're training, now that you're preparing, now that you're a week out from your Bellator debut, are you enjoying it? Are you having fun? Are you loving it? Like, is, is it something you've kind of fallen in love with? Is it something that's still just a job? Like, how do you view it right now? I'm enjoying it right now. Um, for my first two fights back in Cage Warriors, I fucking hated it. I don't know. It was just like I, I was losing my mind every day at practice. Uh, I even see watch my fights at the end afterwards. I'm not happy at all. I remember walking over after both my fights and talking to my coaches and saying something along the lines of fuck this. I don't want to fucking be here. And I just dominated both fights. Uh, it's taken a little bit. Um, I don't think that. And it's weird because I was in a weird place before. I, I think I loved it so much that I was like a psycho about it before where coaches were trying to tell me to stop doing my fourth practice of the day and shit like that because it wasn't good for me. And now it's like I, I do what I need to do to feel prepared and I get out. I don't I don't live in the gym anymore. I definitely used to. Um, but I'm having fun. But I think it's just because I'm trying to st I'm staying grateful for the opportunity to do something that very few people in the world get to do. Yeah. Do you, would you say going into this when you're in the best possible headspace you've been in, in your career? Yeah. Yeah. I'm confident in saying that. Yeah. That's amazing too. Right. Like you said earlier, like you're not, because there's a, there's so many ways you can be obsessed with this sport, right? Like I just talked to Aaron Pico a couple of days ago and we were talking like he's he's a, he said like there's some days I can't sleep because I get so obsessed thinking about a training or thinking about something didn't go right in training that day and I can't sleep at night and he's like sometimes like he's a he's a guy who's into horses he's like when I get on my horse I just forget about the outside world like I have to get away from fighting do you have those opportunities like you talked about like not obsessing with training and not going in for that horse training like just you know doing your job and getting out of there. like have you been able to separate the two now where you actually can separate fighting from your mentality from whatever else is going on and like take a take a break from it I guess uh not yet I'm just not in a financial position to do that 
I have eventually, yeah. now at all times. Yeah. So eventually, so, the long run. <laughs> yeah, hopefully someday. But right now, I no. Yeah, you I have mentioned nothing to do here either. <laughs> but you mentioned you are you are happier now though going in this fight. You're grateful. You feel different. Like this is a different feeling. Yeah, and you know now that I've I've, I've kind of pondered that saying that a second, but um, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to turn out to a good performance. You know, you know, I I can be happier all I want right now, but that doesn't mean shit. Yeah, even That's nice right now. Yeah, even when you say that, you know, when you came out of the Cage Warriors fights and you won dominantly, but you you came away thinking, you know, I didn't this was you know, I didn't have a great performance. It, you know, you didn't feel happy about that. When you go into this fight, like I I could sit here and talk about the breakdown all day. What do you think about your opponent? What do you think about the matchup, game plan, all that kind of stuff? Like is it just about going in there and performing and just being yourself in there and not necessarily thinking about obsessing about I got to win, I got to do this, I got to do that? Is is that more the mentality going into this fight, or kind of give me this sense of like how you approach this particular fight? Um, I've approached every fight the same. I've never once game planned for anyone, and that's more. I probably would if my coaches told me to, <laughs> but no one really tells me to do that because I have a very specific skill set that works really really well against most people and so there's no um no really even game plan but yeah i just want to go out there and be myself and absolute worst case scenario i want to put on a good fight that's it yeah yeah and you know like even when we start our conversation like i consider and say to you max like you know just knowing your knowing your knowing your potential and knowing like your coaches I talked to the guys at Extreme Couture. I, I talked to your manager. I've talked to, like, I still, like, I can say this honestly and say I still think you're one of the best prospects coming up. Do you hate hearing that, though? Do you hate hearing, like, when people still say, look at you and say, man, I still think there's so much potential in this guy? Or would you rather just kind of fly under the radar and just do your thing? Uh, You know, my ego likes it, yeah, but <laughs> I don't see where it comes from. I just don't. Everyone, it, all of that talk comes from what people have heard me do in the gym it's not because i wanted you to do tournament it's not because i was uh acc champion in wrestling and ranked a couple times like i really if you look at my wrestling career i didn't do shit in my wrestling career i didn't do jack shit i won the acc tournament once which isn't that good i have one win over a high level black belt in jiu-jitsu um but I've kind of been like that my whole career where I, I I show flashes of being very, very, very good. But at the end of the day, I've never been able to put it together for a long stretch of time. And so I think all that just comes from – it's not from what I've done in the cage on the wrestling matter in jiu-jitsu. It just comes from what I do in the gym, which that's good. Like if I could walk away and I know what I've done – in the gym and as a martial artist, I know where I'm at, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter for everyone else. If I don't do it in the cage in front of everyone else. Yeah. It's funny. You say that a guy, I know, I'm sure, you know, at extreme couture a guy I've been friends with for many, many years, Mike Pyle, Mike Pyle for years. We, and I covered his entire career. Every, every person I ever spoke to about Mike Pyle said, this is the absolute killer in the gym. You do not want to see him. He is the best you'll ever face. And he struggled to translate that in the cage, you know, and he ta I've talked to him about that many, many times. He struggled to translate what he did in the gym to the cage. You talk to anybody in that era of fighting that ever went out to extreme couture or any other gym he was at. Mike Pyle's the guy you don't want to see. Mike Pyle's the guy you do not want to go with. He will beat you. He will submit you. He will he will make you feel like you're not ready. Um, and then he just struggled to translate that in the cage. So that's the key, right? Like as far as that, like it's translating that into the performance. Yeah, you know, uh, I have a different hairstyle right now, and my I shave my. I mean, I have a little bit of facial hair, but there was a time when I'm at Extreme Couture. Everyone, there's people who would come in who hadn't been in the gym for a while. And they dead ass thought I was Mike Pyle. They start <laughs> calling me Mike. Like actually, like that's a true story. And then uh, what? Stephen Bonner came in one day, and he was on. I don't know. He was he was crazy, but he was like, he thought I was Mike Pyle. 
And I was like, no, my name's Max. Like, I'm not Mike. And then he's like, oh, well, that must be your dad. You guys got to run with that. He must be your the the mailman back in Ohio or something. <laughs> he's, your, he's your bastard dad or something. Like, it was so funny. But I've gotten that um, – because my coach, one of my coaches, Nate Pettit, also coached uh, Mike Pyle too. So I hear about him all the yeah. time. There's not, there's not, and you know what? I, I love Mike and I think Mike's an, Mike was always an incredible competitor. And, uh, like I said, you build that reputation, but at the same time, like I said, there is something to be said about just putting in the work, right? Like Mike has that right. Re- like Mike, Mike may have not been a champion, like, and then like in the UFC or anything like that. But like, if you talk to anybody who knows Mike Pyle, they just have the utmost respect and, and, and admiration for him. Like I said, there's a, a reputation you build up like that, right? Yeah, and that's where I think it's easier for me to be more grateful and, you know, happy about where I'm at in my career, regardless of where I go, is because at this point in my life, regardless of even if they like me or not, everyone who knows me at least has to respect me because they've seen me. They've seen how I act. They see how I train. They see how I treat other people. They, I, I just command respect, and I know what I've done as a martial artist, so it's easier for me to kind of just be happy with everything no matter what the outcome is. Yeah. Well, that's awesome to hear. And uh, like I said, honestly, Max, I'm excited to see you back in there. I know there's a lot of, uh, a lot of attention and a lot of uh, excitement about you being back in there. I'm glad you're with Bellator and uh, man, I know training camp is pretty much wrapped up at this point, but you know, obviously I would say a couple of days, the last training camp safe travels out to the fight and uh, very much looking forward to seeing you make your debut in about a week. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, appreciate the time, Max. A big thank you again to Max for coming on the show. Really enjoyed that interview. Uh, as I said, first time I've had a chance to chat with him, so it was really intriguing to get his thoughts on coming back, signing with Bellator, and everything he's faced to this point in his early career. Still such a young guy. And, uh, his, man, he's he's gone through the ringer uh, probably in about the worst way possible. You know, to, to, you know that's, that's the last way you want to have your name hit the headlines is, you know, you quit on the stool, and, and that forever brands you as a quitter, which is ridiculous. But be that as it may, he's coming back. He's fighting in Bellator, and as I said multiple times on the show already, Bellator's got the best card of the weekend, if I'm being honest. UFC's got a card, BKFC's got a card, one championship has a couple of cards, including their second Prime Video card. I will give a big compliment to one championship, their debut on Prime Video, the one with Demetrius Johnson beating Adriana Marias in the main event, was actually a really fun card, uh, really well produced, and uh, and I will give credit where credit's due in terms of the streaming service. Amazon killed it with that. They did a really, really good job. Uh, I say it all the time, you know, when you have a bad streaming service, it can kill your product, even no matter how good it is. I praised Eagle FC for their couple of cards earlier this year, did a really good job. Streaming was great. Clear picture, HD, all those kind of things that make a little difference when you're watching a fight card uh, works great. I wish ESPN Plus could do that. Uh, I, I can't, I can't, I've lost count the amount of times ESPN Plus has crashed while I'm watching a UFC card. Now, to be fair, there's a much larger sample there because I'm watching UFC events on ESPN Plus, you know, three times a month, sometimes four times a month, depending on the month itself. Uh, but ESPN Plus is giving far more trouble than, uh, than a lot of the other streaming services. So, yeah, let's see if they can get their stuff together. But credit to where credit's due to one championship and, uh, and Amazon Prime Video for doing a good job with that card. And of course, Angela Lee fighting in the main event this weekend on Friday. And, of course, they also have another card on Thursday. So it's kind of like back-to-back events, if I'm not mistaken. So it should be interesting there. Of course, BKFC already talked about uh, that's a solid card. Uh, Quentin Henry against Lorenzo Hunt on the main in the main event, and uh, Ben Rothwell making his BKFC debut after leaving the UFC and signing with BKFC. So it should be interesting. And of course, Mackenzie Dern taking on Yan Xiaonan. We'll have you covered for all this, everything, everything you need over on MMAfighting.com. Uh, so make sure you pay attention to the website all weekend. We'll have your coverage. If you can't watch everything, and it's going to be tough to watch everything, uh, we got you covered over there from Thursday to Sunday when all the fights are happening, all the results, all the recaps. We got gotcha. you. We got you. I want to say a big thank you, of course, to both of my guests this week, uh, Max Roshkoff and Aaron Pico. They both fight on Saturday on Bellator. Uh, Max is on the prelims. Aaron Pico, of course, one of the featured bouts on the main card on Showtime. A big thank you to everyone that tunes in each and every week to the show. Make sure you always check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, as I always say, you can always check us out on the greatest website in the world, MMAfighting.com. We'll see you next week for another edition of The Fighter vs. The Writer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then.
Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 